One day at, at Sunday school, they were teaching the kindergarten class of how God created everything, including human beings. And in that kindergarten class, there was a little boy named Johnny. Little Johnny seemed especially interested when they told him of how Eve was created out of one of Adam's ribs. And later in the week, his mother noticed him lying down as though he were ill. He was having a hard time, and his mom said, Johnny, what's the matter, sweetheart? What's the matter, Johnny? And little Johnny replied, I have a pain in my side, mommy, and I think, I think I'm going to have a wife. <laughs> parents, parents of the babies that we dedicated, you are having and you will have many precious moments with your little child, your little baby. Cherish those moments. Just uh, reflect upon them and enjoy those moments whenever they happen. Amen? Our subject and theme today is helps for understanding the Holy Spirit. Helps for understanding the Holy Spirit. Next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. In the Christian churches around the world, we celebrate Pentecost Sunday as the day when the Holy Spirit of God was poured out in a powerful way upon the believers in that first century. And in preparation and looking ahead to Pentecost Sunday, I want us to discover some marvelous truths about the Holy Spirit. There's a great deal to learn but we only have time to focus on some of them from John's Gospel, chapter 14, beginning at verse 15, where we read, and here Jesus is speaking, and he says, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth, the world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but, but you, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me, and because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. Let's end our reading right there. We will come and make our home with each of them. In gaining a better understanding of the Holy Spirit, I want to direct you to this first truth today, 
and it is this. The Holy Spirit is one who wants to be with us forever. With us forever. Now, this comes out of uh, verse 16 where it says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you, who will never leave you. Now, I'm sure, I'm sure that, um, that very few of us would want someone or something to be with us forever unless we know what that person will do for us, right? And so the, the question arises, what will the Holy Spirit do for us or and with us forever? By studying the, the Greek word which is translated advocate or advocate, and some of your Bible translations uh, might have counselor because the Greek word can be translated advocate, counselor, helper, comforter, encourager, a variety of words like that. By studying this word and by examining other references to the Holy Spirit in the Bible, I have discovered that one of the things which he wants to do for us is to provide comfort. To provide comfort. What that can mean to you and me is that when we're having a difficult time, perhaps because of an injury or death in the family, or perhaps because we have been very disappointed and hurt at school or at work, or somewhere else, when we are hurting, he wants, he wants to be by our side, he wants to be by us and in us to comfort. And since the main theme of John 14 is comfort, it is probable, it's probable that comfort is what Jesus had in mind more than anything else when he refers to the Holy Spirit as the counselor or the comforter. When we are hurting, he wants to say to us, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And so the question is, are you hurting this morning? Are you hurting for whatever reasons? If you are, be encouraged because the Holy Spirit wants to comfort you. Reach out to him and say, Lord, by your spirit, I need, I need your comfort in the situation that I am going through. Amen? Something else the Holy Spirit wants to do is to teach you and me and remind us of what Jesus said. The Holy Spirit will teach us. This idea is stated in verse, in verse 26 uh, in, in this chapter where, where he says, but when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. He will 
teach you. Very often, the way in which he teaches us is by us reading and studying the Holy Bible. And as I've studied various parts of the Bible, I have become excited about either, either what, uh, what he is teaching me for the first time or what he reminds me of as I read and as I study the Bible. But you know, we have to really make the effort. We have to work hard at making time to study the Bible uh, individually and in Bible classes uh, such as Sunday school, Sunday mornings here at the church at 9.30, studying the Bible Wednesday evenings. Uh, we have a ladies' Bible study on Tuesday mornings and other small group Bible studies during the course of the week. But I, I want us to know that we have to make the effort to study God's Word. And I've discovered personally, and I'm sure many of you have found, that all sorts of things will try to prevent us from studying the Word of God. And by studying, I don't mean just, just kind of quickly reading it. I'm talking about rereading it and asking, Lord, what does this mean? What does this mean? Uh, how can I apply it to my life? What action must I take as a result of what I am reading here in your Holy Bible? The Holy Spirit teaches us through studying the Bible. Amen? Amen? Amen. He will also bring to your recollection things which you have learned before and which he wants you to recall. God's Spirit has a way of triggering our memories and bringing back a Bible verse or a few words that can really help us at a time of need. I've also observed how oftentimes the Holy Spirit gives a person some wonderful insight when a person is, is reading or studying a part of the Bible. Uh, for, for example, for example, I, I've noticed many times, Wednesday evenings, we have a wonderful Bible study here at the church uh, from 7.15 till 8.30. That's led by uh, Reverend Dr. Lisa Autar. And the group meets up in the balcony there. But what is very interesting, as, as I'm listening, uh, many times Dr. Lisa will ask a particular question as we're studying a portion of Scripture. And what is beautiful is, so often I will hear responses, I will hear responses from people to the questions that she has asked, and I, I begin to rejoice inside because the answers that I'm hearing, the answers that I'm hearing I'm saying, Lord, Lord, you by your spirit are really helping your people to get a grasp of this Bible verse, of this truth. Because Lord, these people have not had time to study the scripture passage that we're reading and we're focused on. Um, and, and so it's not, it's not as if they've spent maybe minutes or hours in commentaries and books studying this. But as, as Dr. Lisa asks questions, it's incredible. So often the insight, the, the depth of uh, understanding that, that is spoken by people in the first row, second row, third row, fourth row, fifth row, and it's really beautiful. And Pastor Lisa here knows exactly what I'm talking about. And sometimes I will jokingly, I usually sit, uh, I guess, in the first or second row there. Sometimes I'll jokingly stand, stand up and I'll say, 
man, we've got a, we've got a professor back there. Uh, that was just excellent truth, excellent response. And this isn't something that just happens once or twice a month. It just happens regularly. And I say praise God for it. Amen? Praise God. Let's move on here. And the Holy Spirit, furthermore, the Holy Spirit will guide us, guide us. Uh, John 16, verse 13 says, but when he, the Holy Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. So, he guides us. Think about this. Many of the rockets, the rockets, the airplanes, the missiles, have a guidance system so that if they get off course, the guidance system does what? The guidance system corrects, redirects, and puts them back on course. Well, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is a, is a person who is like a guidance system wanting to keep us on course in living a holy life. Amen? And when we think of the Holy Spirit's ministry as one who comforts, teaches, and guides, we can see that he is a helper. He is a helper. And indeed, the Greek word, which, which in uh, the NIV translation is translated counselor, is often translated helper. Have you allowed? Have you allowed him to be your helper? He wants to be in you and with you. I read something from a, a preacher writing many decades ago which, which challenged me and uh, is very, very beautiful. L listen to this from Dr. Alexander McLaren. He says, Oh, brethren, if we really believed that with us there was forever the real presence of the real Christ, how all burdens and cares would be lightened, how all, how all perplexities would begin to smooth themselves out and be straightened, how all the force how all the force would be sucked out of temptations and how sorrows and joys and all things would be changed by that one conviction that Christ is in me. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? All right. Moving along to our second truth today. It is this. The Holy Spirit does not force himself upon us. The Holy Spirit does not force himself upon us. Uh, this comes out of verse 17, John 14, verse 17. And in the New Living Translation, it says this. It says, He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Amen? Amen? Um, in, the, um, in, the new, in the New International Version, it's, it says pretty much the same, but the wording is, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. And when the Bible verse there says, the world, when he says the world, he is referring to people who, uh, who live as if there is no God. And the bottom line is the Holy Spirit is not a gate crasher. 
He's not a gate crasher. When I have visited in, in many homes uh, of our church family and when I have visited door to door in the neighborhood here and in the neighborhood uh, back some years ago where we were back on Alex Muir, I have never, I've never forced myself, I've never forced myself through anybody's door into anybody's home. I've only entered after I have been invited to go in. And the point is, the Holy Spirit works in the same way. He does not force himself upon us. He waits for us to open the door. And we might say, the Holy Spirit is not for those who live as if there was no God. A person who says, I don't believe in God or I don't care about God, can never experience the blessed Holy Spirit in his or her life. If you are a person who says, I don't care about God, or if you have a friend who feels that way, I say to you and to your friend, the Holy Spirit is not a gate crasher. Start softening your hardened heart. Begin to say, as a little chorus says, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, I need thee. Come, sweet spirit, I pray. Come in thy strength and in thy power. Come in thy own gentle way. The Holy Spirit is not for those who refuse to believe. He will not force himself upon you. You, I, we, we have to open up our hearts. We have to open up our minds and say, Holy Spirit, I want you and I need you in my life. Amen? Amen. Here's a third, a third beautiful truth, and it is this. The Holy Spirit is Jesus' way of coming into each one of us. The Holy Spirit is Jesus' way of reaching out to you and to me. Michael Green, some of you maybe read Michael Green in his book, I Believe in the Holy Spirit. Michael Green says something powerful. He says, it is the task, it is the task of the paraclete, that is the Holy Spirit, it is the task of the paraclete to universalize the presence of Jesus. And this comes from uh, part of verse 17 and verse 18. Let's read it together from the big screen in unison. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. And Jesus is speaking those words there. Now, what Jesus means is, Basically, he's saying, my departure will not be like that of a father whose children are left orphans when he dies. In the spirit, I am myself coming back to you. I'm coming back to you by the spirit. It is probable that when you read that verse, the verses that we just looked at, you might wonder if when he said, I will come to you, 
Was he thinking, was he thinking of the time after his resurrection? Or was he thinking of the fact that the Holy Spirit would be coming into them on the day of Pentecost? Well, if you were to read the Bible scholars who have commented on verses 18 and 19 and following, you would find, you would find that some think Jesus was referring to his resurrection, others to the Holy Spirit's coming on the day of Pentecost, and others believe he was referring to both. And personally, I believe Jesus was referring to both, but primarily to his coming in the Holy Spirit. Now I say this for the following reason. When he later appeared to them after his resurrection, Jesus was with them for only a little while and would have only been able to comfort them for a short time. He wanted to be a permanent comforter to them, and the only way he could do that is through the Holy Spirit on a permanent basis. Dr. Godet, writing in the mid-1800s, beautifully says this. He says, the Holy Spirit's coming is the return of Jesus himself. The Spirit, the Spirit who comes is, in a sense, Jesus who comes again. From one outside of us, Jesus becomes one within us. And another Bible scholar says, Jesus Christ and the Spirit whom he sends are inseparable, though separate, and so united that where the Spirit is, there is Jesus, and where Christ is, there is the Spirit. Now, I want to make it clear, church family, radio listeners, I want to make it clear that the Bible teaches our church believes, and I believe, in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we sing a hymn, different times, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. They are separate, and yet, as Alexander McLaren says, they are inseparable. These verses that we are studying show the unity between Jesus and the Holy Spirit. In other places, it appears that the Holy Spirit is referred to as the Spirit of Christ. For example, Romans chapter 8, verse 9 says, And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. In Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door... I will come in. Jesus is speaking those words. But it is through the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, that he comes in. The Holy Spirit and Jesus are inseparable, yet they are separate. Very few people, if anybody, fully understands the relationship between God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and some who cannot uh, understand the mystery have said, oh, that's a bunch of nonsense. But as one author says, people would be a little wiser if they were more conscious of the limitation of human faculty than to put down that which their limited minds cannot understand. Amen? However God does it, 
The Holy Spirit is Jesus' way of coming into each of us. Have you invited him to come into your heart, into your life? You can. This takes us to our fourth truth today, and it is this. The Holy Spirit makes his home in those who love him and obey his teaching. This is stated in several verses, and a couple of them are, for instance, verse 16. Why don't you read verse 16 with me from the screen? If you love me, obey my commandments. And then in verse 23, Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love me, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Amen? Amen? The Holy Spirit makes his home in those who love the Lord and obey his teaching. Loving the Lord and obeying his teaching are inseparable. If you and I, while reading the Bible, discover some truths, we discover some teaching from the Lord, if we say we love the Lord, then we must obey that teaching. Or if the Lord has something, or if the Lord has somehow told you to do something, if we say we love the Lord, then we must be obedient, obedient to what he has taught us. I believe in the King James Version, it says, if you love me, if ye love me, keep my commandments. It applies to us. Sometimes, sometimes there are Christians who say, well, I'll do what I want, I'll do what I want, if I want, how I want, when I want. There are too many who say, you know, I'll be friends with that person if I feel like it. I'll forgive when I'm good and ready. If my boss paid me more, <clears throat> I wouldn't steal from him. If, <laughs> my brother back there got blessed with that one for some reason. <laughs> you know, if I got paid more, then I would tithe. I'd give to the Lord's work. If the church were perfect, then I would be faithful. <laughs> Verse 15 says... If you love me, you will obey what I command. Do you keep his commandments? There's a close link between verses 15 and 16 in the Bible. He gives the counselor, the Holy Spirit, the helper, the encourager, the comforter to those who love him and obey what he commands. If you somehow do not have the assurance of the Holy Spirit's presence in your heart, but mentally, mentally you say, I love him, ask yourself, do you keep his commandments? When we love him and keep his commandments, then as Dr. Alexander McLaren says, listen to this, so beautifully written, he says, then the dove of God will flutter down upon our heads 
and nestle in our hearts and brooding over the solemn and solitary sea of our chaotic spirits will bring up from it a new world glistening in fresh order and beauty. My friends, today I want to invite you to pray and to say, Lord, I love you. I want to obey your teaching. Holy Spirit, make your home in my heart. Make your home in my heart. I want to make you king of my heart. King of my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So my friends, here are four helps for understanding the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit is one who wants to be with us forever. You can, you can say to him today, Lord, I do ask you by your Spirit to be with me forever. Remember, the Holy Spirit will not force himself on you or me or anybody. And it is the Holy Spirit's desire to come to each of us. And the Holy Spirit is Jesus' way of coming into each one of us. And it is the Holy Spirit who wants to make his home in those who love him and obey his teaching. Let us pray. Dear Lord, by your Spirit, touch our hearts. By your Spirit, your Holy Spirit, we want to invite you. We want to invite you, Lord, to take control of our lives, to make us and mold us from the inside out the way you want us to be. Come, Holy Spirit. We need you. We want you. We hunger and thirst after you. We read in your Bible that you are our advocate or counselor, comforter, helper, encourager. Be all of that and more, Lord, for each person, each man, woman, teenager, and child. And Lord, may these three babies that we dedicated today grow up discovering you, discovering that the Holy Spirit is and will be their advocate, their helper, their hope, their encourager, their comforter in beautiful ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.